Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are Night's <laughs> Entertainment. Here are the world, reasons in the world. The shark, we call it None of the Robins ever complained. You're going to melt just like a green sandwich. And show you just how powerful I really am. Always hold on to all this. Everybody, it's Nico, and welcome to Across the Airways DC Nation, the podcast dedicated to reviewing all the amazing content DC Comics provides to you as its fans, most notably focusing on the TV shows Gotham, Flash, Arrow, Supergirl, and DC Legends of Tomorrow. Once again this week, I'm flying solo, so on this week's episode, I solo review the two-part season finale of Gotham, and have some news with Nico DC headlines for you. So before anything, we're going to kick things off with a very Wonder Woman-heavy news with Nico DC headlines, but why not? It's so damn awesome. Wonder Woman sets record with over 100 million opening weekend. As predicted, Wonder Woman had a huge opening weekend. The Patty Jenkins directed movie made $103.1 million in its domestic box office debut, setting a record for the biggest opening of all time for a female director. Internationally, Wonder Woman also opened up big, bringing in another $122.5 million for a combined total of $223 million worldwide. Clearly, this is a movie that is resonating with moviegoers around the globe. I saw it and loved it. If you have not yet seen it, you need to go out and do that immediately. This is easily the best DC film since Nolan's series and the best of the DCEU by a country mile. Justice League reshoots will probably take most of the summer to complete. According to a new report, the planned Justice League reshoots are currently underway in London and they will be significant. The Justice League reshoots aren't just standard pickups. The extra scenes that are being added in are so significant that filming is expected to take place in June, July, and even go into August. It's nice that we have a timeline now and don't have to get too worried about the significant amount of work. Zack Snyder said himself that he had hired Joss Whedon to write brand new scenes for Justice League well before he left the project last week. Whedon will also be directing these new scenes after a family tragedy, as I mentioned, forced Snyder to leave the project. On a big superhero movie like this, it's not surprising that they'll take a while to film these extra scenes. In fact, the longer and more significant these scenes actually are, the better in my book. More Joss and less Snyder is always a good thing. I just hope there is enough Joss Whedon writing in this film to save the terrible stuff we've gotten from Snyder so far in the DCEU. I feel for Snyder and his tragic loss, but it might mean a better film for those of us that love DC Comics. And yes, I know that sounds heartless, but if you heard last week's DC headlines, you will know that I genuinely feel for the man as a human and can still not like any of his work as a director. Ratings. Gotham dips with finale. Gotham did 3.2 million and a 1.0 in the demo in the first episode, and then 3 million and a 0.9, dipping a tenth in the demo with its finale. Readers of TVLine.com gave the the eventful closer an average grade of a B plus, which I'd say is a bit generous. NBC's NHL Game 4 won the night up 33% in the demo over 2016's Game 4. 
All the details on Supergirl, Flash, DC Legends, and Arrow premieres for fall on CW. This week, the CW unveiled its official fall lineup, and it looks like fans of iZombie, The 100, Black Lightning, they're all going to have to wait until mid-season for those shows to come back. However, we do have premiere dates for Supergirl, The Flash, DC Legends of Tomorrow, Riverdale, Supernatural, Arrow, and others. Supergirl is staying at the 8pm slot on Monday nights, and Melissa Benoist's Kara Zor-El is going to be nursing a broken heart following the departure of Monel, but she's got much bigger problems on the horizon as hinted in the season finale rain is coming to earth and actress odette annabelle has been signed on to portray supergirl's new nemesis supergirl premieres monday october 9th at 8 p.m on my little brother will's birthday so that'll be a nice birthday present for him the flash will once again anchor tuesday nights at 8 p.m but without grant gustin's barry allen well at least that's what the creative team behind the show wants us to think it's more than likely that barry's stint in the speed force will be short and he'll be back in action before long in the meantime perhaps keenan longsdale his wally west will go from calling himself kid flash to just the flash like his comic book counterpart likewise if the history of the show is any indication we'll soon meet another version of harrison wells as played by tom cavanaugh it's not clear if tom felton and ann dudek will be back on a regular basis as julian and tracy respectively but we do know that clifford devoe aka the thinker will be the main villain for season four however the thinker has not yet been cast. Flash premieres on Tuesday, October 10th at 8 p.m. DC's Legends of Tomorrow are back into the 9 p.m. slot on Tuesdays after The Flash. Last season, the Legends defeated the Legion of Doom, but the cliffhanger ending suggested that they've broken time, unless there are always dinosaurs living in modern Los Angeles, but I don't remember that. The consequences of that screw-up have yet to show up on any of the rest of the Arrowverse shows, but I wouldn't be surprised if it does at some point next season. So far, we know about at least one new heroine who's joining the crew of the Wave Runner, the Mighty Isis. Although, given recent events in the world, that name probably will be changed to have a different codename on this show. Tala Asha will portray Isis's alter ego, Zaria Adriana Tomas, when DC Legends premieres on Tuesday, October 10th at 10pm. Arrow is out of its traditional Wednesday night slot and moving to the 9pm on Thursday. It's going to be a lonely season for Stephen Amell's Oliver Queen, what with the apparent death of all of his friends on the NU. Of course, I don't actually think that everyone died, but for that cliffhanger to have any power, it means that someone isn't getting off of that island. Find out who doesn't make it on Thursday. Did you hear me? Thursday, October 12th at 9 p.m. DC Legends of Tomorrow recruits Tala Asha as to the wave run. As mentioned in the previous article, Tala Asha is joining DC Legends of Tomorrow in Season 3 as a series regular. Ashla will play Zari Adriana Tomas, a new team member on the wave run. She's described as a Muslim-American woman from the year 2030, and due to growing fear and prejudice, Zari has become a gray hat activist, a computer nerd with a wry, combative attitude. She is a woman living a double life who has not yet realized that she possesses secret latent powers derived from an ancient mystical source. DC Legends of Tomorrow Season 3 will air Tuesday at 10, 8 central on The CW. Wonder Woman sequel update from Patty Jenkins. Director Patty Jenkins has single-handedly saved the DCEU thanks to the spectacular work she and Gal Gadot did on Wonder Woman. None of the previous three films have been both commercial and critical home runs until Jenkins came in and saved the day. Now thanks to her efforts, we have a legit classic in Wonder Woman and proof that a DC Comics-based film can be just as good as anything 
anything that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has to offer. But now the question on everyone's mind is, will Patty Jenkins return for a Wonder Woman sequel? With the film raking it in in the box office, it's not a question now of whether there will be a sequel or not, but simply when. Can Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot make magic together again, or will Warner Brothers replace her? While appearing on Conan O'Brien's show this last week, the director seemed pretty optimistic about her return to the world of the Amazons, telling Conan, we're working on it, I hope to, I loved it, I love the world, and we're all really excited about it. Hopefully the folks at Warner Brothers realize what an incredible asset Jenkins has been for them and give her the raise and creative control she deserves for her second go-around with Diana Prince. And hopefully Jenkins can find a way to fit in some more classic Wonder Woman villains into the story. Many fans are dying to see Diana take on the likes of foes like Cheetah and Cersei for the sequel and maybe get a little invisible plane action in there while we're at it. If anyone can make those things work on the film and not seem silly, it's going to be Patty Jenkins. Seriously, this was a great film. Your favorite Wonder Woman Amazons are returning for Justice League. In the latest Justice League trailer, we got a brief look at the Amazons going to battle. But now, thanks to a new interview with the Los Angeles Times, we know a major player who's returning. We knew that Connie Nielsen was returning as Diana's mother in Justice League thanks to a press release that came out last year. But she told the LA Times that Robin Wright is coming back as well. That's a little surprising. But as Wright explains, the scenes in Justice League might be flashbacks to before Wonder Woman took place to give even more history about the Amazons, which will be great to get a better feel for the Amazons and their relationships. This is good news, and seriously, everyone, go see Wonder Woman in theaters. It is well worth it. And that's the news with Nico, DC Headlines, for this week. All right, with that, we're going to jump right into our one review of the week. That is the Gotham two-part season finale. As the virus spreads throughout the city, Fish lets Oswald obtain the antidote cure from Hugo Strange. Meanwhile, Barbara and the others make their own bid to obtain the antidote, and Jim fights for control after he is infected. Then in the finale, Jim and Harvey trade Oswald to Edward in return for Jarvis so they can cure the virus. Meanwhile, Butch convinces Tabitha to turn against Barbara, and Oswald and Edward have a final battle of wits. I complained that Bruce Wayne's story went completely wrong last week, and it really pissed me off. This week attempted to bring that story back onto the rails after flying so far off of them last week. I had said I just about rage quit the show for its stupidity, but in the wake of Alfred killing the shaman pseudo-leader of the Court of Owls, Bruce attempted to give the butler the cold shoulder this week, just barely shrugging off Alfred's attempt to revisit warm, fuzzy memories. In reality, I thought this was going to be the moment that snapped Bruce back to himself, but they saved that for later. During some mayhem at the police station, basically caused by a touched up Alvarez, Bruce escaped to find the UN building to seek out the demon's head, thinking it to be an ornate secret door and not an actual person. But soon enough, he met with Rachel Ghoul, who implored Bruce to fulfill his destiny, to be his heir, his knight in the darkness. But only by driving a sword through a captured Alfred can that happen. Still in his fugue state, although seemingly fighting it, Bruce did just that, only to snap out of it the instant he had slain his manservant. Rache hinted at at more tutelage to come for Bruce before suggesting that Bruce use the Lazarus Pit's waters to heal Alfred's wounds. And then he vanished. I mentioned while watching the episode that there is not a Lazarus Pit in Gotham and that Raish doesn't exactly have a portable pit that he can take anywhere he wants, but since it ended up being there to save Alfred in the end, I let it slide as merely lazy writing and an attempt to get a major aspect of Raish's mythos onto the series. Later at the hospital, Alfred was properly stitched up and healed, 
Although, in reality, with the pit's healing, he'd have survived without the need of a doctor. And so, uh, I think it was just an easy way to continue that story. In a discussion about Bruce's wayward path as of late, something that I truly hated about this already terrible season of Gotham, Alfred told Bruce he needed to find his true north to guide him and keep him from ever losing himself again. And for Alfred, that is Master Bruce. Bruce, in turn, needs to find that which he would protect at all costs and let that guide him. And as the two-parter closes, we see Bruce clad head to toe in black, thwart an alley mugging, not unlike his parents' murder, before clambering to a rooftop to survey the city's dark night. And unfortunately, Batman is just a proper mask and cape away from being a real presence on Gotham. The superhero prequel series set itself up as the story of Gotham City and how it turned Bruce Wayne into one of the most notorious comic book characters of all time. So it was inevitable to see Bruce put on the black garb and begin to fight crime on his own. It just felt like that moment would always be a series ending scene to signal that the prequel journey was complete. There was no obvious Bat references here, but it's clear that Bruce has found the Dark Knight path and is committed to sticking to it. Is it too soon for Bruce to be this far into the Batman mythos though? My take is absolutely yes. The early episodes of the show took their time with Bruce's Batman future, focusing primarily on Jim Gordon's career and Gotham's emerging villains rather than Bruce's trajectory. It started with his parents' murder, of course. Grief consumed the young boy as he struggled to figure out his place in the world as the wealthiest orphan you could ever imagine. He took self-defense classes with Alfred, but it was clear that there was a long way between the wide-eyed orphan Bruce and the shadowy menacing figure he's fated become. Then in season 3, Gotham slammed on the gas pedal towards turning Bruce into the darker alter ego. In the mid-season finale, he got into a near-fatal altercation with Jerome that led to the declaration that he'd never kill anyone, Batman's essential core principle. It only sped up from there. In the second half of the season, the show sprinted through Bruce's abduction by the Court of Owls, his brainwashing by Rachel Ghoul's second-in-command, and even Bruce's first introduction to the leader of the League of Assassins himself. Or, I guess if they're using the Raish pronunciation, it's probably League of Shadows on Gotham, though they never identified themselves yet on this series. So I can't be sure if it's League of Assassins or League of Shadows on this series. Anyway, Bruce and Raish have a two-minute conversation in which Raish says that Bruce has already proven himself to be the man in the prophecy. The fighter in the shadows, some foreshadowing future training or altercations with the League, and then he vanishes, as I mentioned earlier. The decision to put Bruce in all black and officially kick off his vigilante tenure before the very end of the series may not have been entirely in Gotham's control. The show scored a last-minute season 4 renewal, meaning that the finale script was already approved and underway before the show knew it would be coming back next year. For a good period of time, it looked like season 3 finale would be the last shot of the series. The ending would have allowed fans to fill the blanks in for themselves and have a good idea of how he fully transformed into the famed hero. So, for that reason, I have to ease up on criticism of this finale a little. Had this been the series finale, then that final scene would have been the payoff we were all expecting. Although, the problem is, David is entirely too young, too demure, and too physically small to ever be mistaken for a fully grown adult Batman. But at least we could assume that he was on his way and call it a series. Something I actually really wanted, because I'm done with this series emotionally, if not actually done watching it. The show does have a season 4 though, and it will have to deal with the decision to push this so far down the Batman path. Let's face it, most people are not going to complain about more Batman in a Batman show, but this turn of events put Bruce pretty close to the ultimate goal, and that backs the show into a corner when it comes to spinning story. What does Gotham have to say if the prequel catches up to the original story? The series could and should end with Bruce officially donning the iconic costume, but if he's already got the 
the rough prototype figured out, there isn't much more he needs to learn before he makes the final leap into being Batman. Of course, I sort of wish that when the series realized it had been renewed, it went back and reshot this final scene and had Bruce fail, or nearly fail, and realized that he needed to continue his training before he could take his fight to the streets, and then season four could focus on the thing that Dan and I always wanted from this aspect of the series, to see the training between Alfred and Bruce and possibly see some of Bruce Wayne's other masters come to the series. In fact, that is still my hope for this series going into season four, that Bruce continues his training and we actually get to see him train and get better. And if they still have him fighting in the streets, I want him to be learning to be a detective, a martial arts master, a chemist, a biologist, just an all-around badass genius that he is in comics. That is something I could get by actually seeing him train and learn and not just making him into the Batman off screen. But moving on, this week's episode had a ton of other things that happened despite some 10-month rumblings given new life in recent weeks by a report from a fan convention. The villainous Harley Quinn did not appear. Not even a proto version of her was anywhere to be seen in the two-hour season finale. On the hunt for any half of a half of Harley Quinn tease, I even surmised Barbara's electrocution was meant to be a nod towards Harley, but I have since been assured by friends and a contact I have at Nerdist.com who knows a writer on the series that it was not. Nor are there any plans at this time for Harley Quinn to surface on this TV series. Gordon was infected with the Alistesh virus and did his best to dial it in so that he and Harvey could seek out one, Lee, and two, a cure for the city's infected. That put them, as well as Fish, on Professor Strange's trail, but Fish found him first, which led to a ridiculous standoff in the sewers for some stupid reason I can't remember. Then later, in another skirmish between Jim slash Harvey, Fish and her minions, and some League of Shadows members, a crazed Jim fatally stabbed Fish, and the vials of concentrated cure got shattered, which, on the one hand, was a great thing because it means Fish is dead and I don't have to deal with her anymore on this series, which is a great thing. But it also introduced yet another MacGuffin to the episode, that being that the only way for Strange to create more of the cure is to get his hands on Jarvis Tetch himself. That sets the stage for a trade, Tetch for Penguin, whom Riddler planned to kill. But in the shootout that inevitably happened when Barbara showed up, Penguin gained the upper hand and sped off with Edward locked up in the backseat of a patrol car. Nigma picked his handcuffs and went on to attempt to shoot Penguin down on the docks, but Penguin foresaw his former best friend's compulsion to revisit that murder and made sure the gun was empty. Mr. Freeze then showed up and turned Edward into the icy centerpiece for Penguin's new iceberg lounge, which I actually thought was a fairly solid conclusion to that story and didn't do something so asinine or stupid as to kill one of these two key Batman rogues gallery players. The Lee and Gordon tragedy finally finished up this week after Gordon's first attempt to jab Lee with the cure got waylaid by some heavy petting and kissing and Lee destroyed the cure. Thus, Jim fully gave in to the virus and planned to leave Gotham with his lady. Harvey tried to stop them, which led to a knockdown drag-out fight between the two, during which Bullock magically saved Gordon and got through to him and then slipped Jim two fresh vials of the cure. Aboard the train, Jim eventually decided to inject Lee and then himself, but it did not end up with the happily ever after and afterwards as Lee wound up leaving town anyway while urging Jim to stay and save the city and maybe himself as well. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad that Lee is gone because maybe that will allow Gordon to not be such a terrible character next season. The Lee and Gordon crap this entire season was one of the main reasons I hated this season of Gotham. Yeah, you heard me right. I hated this season of Gotham. Ugh, it was CW romance crap all the time and I couldn't stand it. Anyway, tired of being dismissed as a sidekick and sensing that Barbara had killed Butch, Tabitha had it out with her former partner, ultimately using her whip to lob a light fixture at Barbara and electrocute her. I'll be honest, this genuinely 
genuinely surprised me that they killed Barbara in the episode. Of course, this being Gotham, she may not stay dead. But for now, she is. And that was surprising. Likewise, Selena and Bruce had it out one last time, and after being brushed off by Bruce one too many times, Selena went to Tabitha looking to claw her way up the underworld's ladder. As a first step, she got quickly familiar with a whip. Finally, in what turned out to be the best surprise of the finale, we learned Butch's real name. Despite getting shot at point blank by Barbara and in the head no less, Butch appears to be clinging on to life. Either comatose or brain dead, we're not really sure at the episode's end, but most interestingly, we learn his actual name is Cyrus Gold, as in Solomon Grundy. How awesome is that? That has me really excited to see where Butch's slash Solomon's story goes next season. And that's going to be my Gotham review for this week and this year as we wrap up the finale review. Now, we're going to move into the closing with an important announcement from myself and Michael. Hey everybody, it's Nico and welcome to Across the Airways DC Nation. I wanted to say that one last time and begin this announcement by thanking all of our listeners for seven plus years of loyalty, feedback, and friendship as we discussed our favorite TV shows, films, and comic books across so many different podcasts on the Across the Airways network. This episode marks the final episode of this season of DC Nation, but also will serve as the final episode of the DC Nation in general as we will be shutting down production effective immediately with this finale episode. Unfortunately, our 95 episodes episodes of the revamped DC Nation podcast puts us just shy of that magical syndication number of 100 episodes. But of course, with over 160 total DC Nation episodes, 300 ATA episodes, 20 Thronescast episodes, and 140 Marvelverse podcasts between Helicarriers and the newer Marvelverse podcasts, our 620 plus episodes have blown that syndication number out of the water over the last seven years. And we thank each and every one of you for being a part of that. But I wanted to let everyone know in this special message that I will be ending my time with Across the Airways at the end of this season of television. And because of that, ATA as a network will be end as well. Michael and I have been talking for a bit now about this and both have realized that we just do not have the time or passion anymore to give the shows and the network the necessary time and effort to make it great and keep the quality up to the level we expect of ourselves and expect for our loyal listeners of the ATA network. With my new job and life changes this spring, I've come to realize that I have begun to lose interest in discussing the shows I've loved for so long. Michael and I have really enjoyed our time this season talking about DC TV on the DC Nation podcast, and I've enjoyed talking with Steve about a terrible season Gotham, but I have not had a day off of working on a script, editing, releasing episodes, or working my day job in two, almost three straight months. There's always been some feeling of burnout at the end of the seasons, and Dan and I both longed for the season finales each year, but we'd re-energize each other heading into those finales and miss talking TV after only a week or two at the end of the season. In reality, that is really the issue for me, that despite how much I've enjoyed working with everyone else this season, it just has not been the same for me without Dan. The podcast has, from the very beginning, for me, always been about Dan, and this year without him was important to keep it going, but I just don't think I can do it anymore without Dan. I hope you all can understand that decision. I know and understand that this may come as a shock to many of you who have been with us from the very beginning, but I hope you can understand my reasons for not continuing the DC Nation and the entire ATA network without Dan. As I said before, I felt like keeping the podcast network going after his passing was important, and Michael, Steve, and I have had fun this season continuing the DC Nation podcast, but for Michael and I, without Dan, the passion has not been there, and we do not believe that we can produce and deliver a high enough quality product to honor the work and effort that Dan and I put into creating and maintaining this podcast empire. 
it was a hard decision, but ultimately I believe the correct decision to end the Cross the Airways network of podcasts. Before I sign off for the last time on the DC Nation podcast, I want to thank you all for your support, loyalty, and dedication to the DC Nation podcast, the Across the Airways network, and Dan's dreams over the years, but most especially for your help and efforts this year and keeping it going. Thank you to all of you for that. And before we finish, Michael has a few words as well, so take it away, Michael. Thank you, Nico. Obviously, the decision we made is a bittersweet one. You know, both Nico and I are happy to be moving into the next phase of our lives and are glad to have kept Dan's dream alive this past year. But it's also a sad time to see something we've worked so hard go. Don't get me wrong, Nico and I made this decision about a cross series ending, and it is the right one. But this has been a huge part of our lives for the majority of the past decade, and that's kind of hard to let go of even still. Dan and I started the original DC Nation podcast back when Young Justice and Green Lantern and the Animated Series were still on the air on Cartoon Network way back in the day, and we loved covering those shows as well as the Smallville Season 11 comic book continuation by Brian Q. Miller, our friend here at the podcast, who we interviewed several times. Eventually, I went on to start Longbow Hunters, the Arrow podcast with Wu, and Dan and I would sporadically release new DC Nation podcasts covering our various favorite DC animated features. But, you know, once Wu and I had to end Longbow Hunters after our second season, Dan and Nico were gracious enough to reboot the DC Nation podcast altogether to continue covering Arrow, and also The Flash, Gotham, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, and much more. I was so grateful that Nico was willing to continue DC Nation with me this past year, bringing me back to the show that Dan and I began all those years ago, and allowing me to cover Arrow one final time. I'm so grateful to all you listeners for supporting us this past year and to Nico for being a great co-host as we've had some incredible discussions and crackpot theories throughout this season. Although we won't be back next year, we hope all of you will continue to enjoy the superhero goodness that is to come when Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, Legends, and Gotham all return next fall. Thank you all again for your support, and this is Michael J. Petty signing off the DC Nation podcast for the final time. Okay, thanks, Michael, for your great words. Before we wrap up, and for the last time on the DC Nation, we're going to roll Dan's pre-recorded closing. Get at our Across the Airways podcast network website, acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's acrosstheairways.com. You can check out all of our podcast shows, available as their own individual programs. Get the iTunes Store, get Google Play Store. Guys, for the podcast shows, cut our network. We have the DC Nation podcast, located at dcnation.acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's dcnation.acrosstheairways.com. Com, which reviews popular DC Comics-related TV shows and movies. There's also the Marvelverse Podcast, located at marvelversepodcast.acrosstheirways.com. Again, that's marvelversepodcast.acrosstheirways.com, which reviews Marvel Comics-related TV shows and movies. And we also have Thronescast, our podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website thronescast.acrosstheirways.com. Again, that's thronescast.acrosstheirways.com. In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airways podcast, which is accessible at acrosstheairways.com, which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes, core Game of Thrones, like The Walking Dead, Doctor Who, Star Wars Rebels, Supernatural, and more, including sitcoms such as The Big Bang Theory and The Muppets. Also, you can listen to Across the Airways, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, the Game of Thrones podcast, and the Marvelverse podcast, got the mixed radio station, code by Jack Stifle, Stitcher Radio, or if you use Apple devices, download the Podcast Box app. Got if you're on 
on a Windows or Android device, you can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace. Because the Windows Marketplace has a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Because for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback, got the TV shows we review, provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience, or just want to say, do you like what we're doing? Email us at across the airways at gmail.com. Again, that's across the airways at gmail.com. Comment on our Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter, got across the airwaves. There's no thought in there. It's just across the airwaves. Join our circle, got Google Plus, or leave us a voicemail by calling 773-809-3363. Again, it's 773-809-3363. Call someone sending us an email. Please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to. Get this subject line. Give you our sending us listener feedback you want us to read. God, the air. God would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies and television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic-Con, and it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic-Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our Comic-Con special. Okay, so once again, for our other ATA podcast hosts, Nikki Amy Wu Kim, Joshua Mercury, James Hayfold, Steve Nostro, and Michael J. Petty, I'm Nico Reistek, and now and forever, we'll catch you on the airwaves. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast over the years, and I hope you have enjoyed our discussions on DC television. See ya. I am the fastest man alive. <laughs> Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are... None of the Robins ever complain. You're going to melt just like a sandwich. And show you just how powerful I really am. Always hold on to all these have returned. We have no more use for this one. Kill him.